it's hard to see. It's hard to comprehend in a lot of cases. But when you have this many people marching in the streets and this much unrest, you have to know that this this just didn't start yesterday. This has been coming for decades and decades. And we're going to uh, feature some of uh, the audio and some of the stories from what went down over the weekend. It's been six nights of protests in the States following the death of George Floyd. And we're finding out more about the cop that caused that death um, or what some people would more accurately cause a murder. When someone's pleading for their life that's completely uh, incapacitated because they've been put in handcuffs and they are already, the threat has been, any threat that you thought was there has been neutralized and you are kneeling on their neck until they're silent. Some might call that a lynching. In fact, I heard, heard somebody on uh, CNN call it a lynching the other day. And if he died by asphyxiation, uh, it, it, you know, it could fit. Uh, before we get into all of that, I want to talk about um, something that happened closer to home. And uh, this story, of course, is um, the subject of an SIU investigation. Um, this is about um, Regis Kraczynski, who fell from, I believe it was 20 stories from her uh, apartment building in High Park. Her mother called 911 on Wednesday because her daughter was in distress over a family conflict. And she called out of a safety concern and the family was met by police in the hallway leading up to their in in their uh, 24th floor of their uh, their building. And um, the mother pleaded with officers to take her to CAMH for help and support and family members say that she was also having an epileptic seizure at the time. So um, they went into the unit and the family was not allowed in the unit while the police were in talking with her after a couple of minutes, their lawyer says that the family heard her calling mom, help me, mom, help me. And then a short time later, the family found out that she was on the ground. Now there have been, you know, accusations lobbed out at the police um, during, you know, by family members that say that, you know, she was thrown from the balcony. There are eyewitnesses. In fact, one coming forward now saying, no, she was alone on that balcony and was attempting to vault to another balcony at the time. But normally, um, when the SIU has been called in, the police are very tight-lipped. On, on Friday, Chief Saunders actually held a press conference, which was highly unusual. And um, he, at the press conference, was talking about how this is exactly, you know, he wants things to be as transparent as possible. He called for calm. And he also... Um, talked about how he wants to see the deployment of body-worn cameras expedited uh, to the Toronto Police Force. I want to bring Dave Perry on. He is our 640 Toronto expert as far as uh, law enforcement is concerned and always very helpful with this kind of topic. Welcome to the show, Dave. It's good to have you on. Good morning. Good to be with you. So for you, um, uh, you know, you've been in the force. How unusual is it that the chief of police would hold a press conference during an SIU investigation? It's fairly unusual, but I have to applaud the chief for, you know, having the courage to get up and, and do that under such an emotionally charged case and under the uh, legal restrictions that are that he's bound by in terms of who takes the lead on a case like this, the SIU and the, the fact that he is he is absolutely gagged from uh, speaking intimately about the case or any evidence in the case. And I'm just going to say that uh, I felt really bad for the chief that he clearly had things that he knew and he wanted to say, but he couldn't. So that that was a very difficult position for him to be in. Dave, can you kind of provide us with some insight? Why can't he say anything and what would happen if he let something slip? Well, the SIU, by law, when you have a case like this, and, and especially where somebody has lost their life, um, 
they take the lead on the investigation. And the legislation is very clear that when they take the lead, they do the lead on everything, including releasing information or not to the public. And the the police chief and, and his or her service is forbidden from talking publicly about the case. It's an SIU investigation. So, you know, the chief, I think, recognizing obviously how emotionally charged this was just for the sheer nature of the case and the, the, the tragedy attached to a call where families trying to get help and and the end result is that their daughter is dead. It, it, it's, it's about as tragic as you could imagine. <clears throat> and also the emotionally charged times that we're in, you know, given what's happening, you know, all over North America, but especially in the U.S., it's, it's a difficult yeah. time. So he, he had to I wanted something. to ask you about that, if I could, Dave, for a second. Do you think that the protests and unrest in America influenced Saunders' need to increase transparency here at home? No, I think the chief just uh, uh, wanted to continue as he has, which is as much transparency as possible with uh, issues like this. So when the community is upset and the community is emotionally charged, it's the chief's duty and responsibility to be as transparent as possible, not uh, wanting to um, contaminate any investigation, of course. But here's the problem. Uh, Whenever it gets turned over to the SIU, the SIU, this is typical behavior from them. They they just close their ranks and they tell they don't seem to feel the same responsibility, and they don't tell the community anything, and that's not helpful. You know, so yeah, I, it makes us suspicious of the police it because does. it's an yeah. internal investigation. So you're thinking, well, this is a closed investigation. Are they trying to cover anything up? I mean, and that's just the nature of of you know not having something transparent. And I don't know if that's the right way to go or the wrong way to go. I'm sure there are reasons why we don't have that transparency, but it does breed suspicion. And speaking of you know breeding suspicion. Um, I was reading in the Toronto Sun, and I mentioned this, Dave, off the top, that one of the family members or relative of Regis um, commented that uh, a police threw her off the building. I, it, that really speaks to the distrust uh, within uh, certain communities and the police force, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I, there's no victim blaming here at all. This family is grieving and uh, under tremendous uh, stress and, and grief, and I, there's no victim blaming here. But when something like that is said without any evidence or merit to support it, it doesn't make the issue any any easier for the community, <clears throat> pardon me, for the community and or for the police. So you've got that allegation out there. There are certain people that might just accept that because somebody said it. And, you know, it, it, it certainly upsets the entire community. What could help the community is what we're here to talk about this morning, Kelly, body cam. Right. You know, if, if the officers were wearing a body camera, um, we would be able to be able to quickly provide the evidence that it either did or didn't happen. Um, I think here in Ontario, we'd still be challenged by the SIU because I still b- firmly believe that that would be their call and it would be up to them when and how much and what video they were re- to release to the public. And to mm-hmm. me, to me, that's that's concerning because I'm not here to say that the SIU shouldn't exist. I believe in independent investigations of police officers. But I also believe that that body, whether it's the SU or somebody else, should play under the same rules as the police. Transparency, you know, a duty to get information out to the public quickly, whether it's through body cams or some other uh, other form. But, <clears throat> you know, surely they know enough by now. This this isn't a whodunit. This isn't, you know, uh, this isn't a serial killer case of an unknown suspect. This this is a case for, for what it is. It's tragic. It's horrible. They should have enough information by now. They could either, you know, tell the community something about whether 
they're heading down that path that the police did something horrible, which certainly doesn't fit what I've been hearing, or they could relieve some of the anxiety of the family and the community in general by saying, we think this is something totally different. It would completely diffuse um, tensions. Let me talk about, uh, I just want to get into the body cams if we could for a second, because in October 2017, a procurement process was announced to acquire cameras, and it was estimated that it would take nearly two years years before finalizing the way forward to this. Is Saunders has come out and said, you know, we should ex- expedite this. He said this on Friday. Um, so the Toronto Police have been examining body cams for years. Should we have not already seen progress on this? You know, we should have, but the, the challenge is with Toronto. It's the, the biggest municipal police service in, in Canada, and everything gets more complicated and expensive. I know of people who are in that business of providing body cams to police services worldwide, and they're walking into small police services and making a sale and deploying very, very quickly because it's not as complex and not as expensive. But the bottom line for the Toronto Police Service is, you know, a minimum $80 million investment over 10 years, which would probably be double by the time they got it done. It's a, it's a huge financial investment, and they have to have the, the, the funds and they have to have the budget to do this. I, I think most police officers today would absolutely love to be wearing a body cam for all these situations where, and I'm not talking about the case we're talking about today, but all of these situations where people make allegations, the video would either prove or disprove it immediately. And and I think that's where we are today. That's what we should be doing, using the best technology to bring even more transparency to policing than we have now. You brought up the fact that, you know, people that are in the business of um, outfitting police forces with body cams and, you know, they can do this in small municipalities very quickly. It's an $80 million uh, investment in, uh, you know, at the very least here in Toronto. Can you talk to the many aspects that would have to go into effect when you talk about getting the Toronto Police Force ready for this equipment? Because I know training is one of the one of the uh, expensive parts of, of this. You need the equipment. Uh, I know that batteries uh, from taking, you know, tech classes at, at you know, broadcasting uh, at Ryerson, that batteries don't last that long, depending on conditions. If it's cold out, your batteries are going to drain quicker. I mean, all of this stuff has to be taken in consideration. What else do uh would get costly when you talk about a police force the size of toronto and not everyone would get uh body cams but just without fitting them the biggest cost is in data storage um you know again with the size of the toronto police service and the number of body cams and all of that video still we're not far from compression technology where it's become cheap so Mm. the bigger you are the are even just to store that data and then you have the, the appropriate policies around data storage. How long do you keep it? Under what circumstances do you delete it? You know, how do you how do you manage your budgets and your costs with all of that? And who do you give access to? You know, in terms of the videos, how do we how do we release it? How do we build you know policies into the use of body cams that you know again doesn't make it even worse? God forbid you go into a situation like the the one we're talking about today and somebody either forgot to turn on their video camera because they're not running 24 seven or you'd have no Mm -hmm. battery or the cam malfunctioned. And, and now you've got allegations and all of that becomes part of the allegation feeds into potentially a false allegation, right? 